Hello and welcome to another edition of the Short Side Option Podcast. I'm Chris Sork, alongside D. Lou here, as we look back at K-State's loss to the Baylor Bears last Saturday, making it their third straight loss in a row. Uh, not, not a great uh, game for the Wildcats there by any stretch, uh, but we look back at that game, look forward to uh, homecoming here against Oklahoma State this Saturday, as well as also look at the Midnight in Manhattan basketball kickoff event. Uh, doors open at 7 o'clock for that, and then we'll also uh, get to uh, one of our favorite parts of the show, uh, the Wildcat legend, this week's Wildcat legend, as well as Ask the Icon. Lou, how are we doing this fine, fine Wednesday evening? Well, I, I, uh, I didn't enjoy the game on Saturday. But uh, I'm surprised. I'm surprised you even woke up this morning because of uh, your Yankees. That was a, a rough series. You were uh, really pounding your chest about the Yankees' chances in the uh, playoffs this year, but uh, didn't work out. Yeah, they're a horrible. They're a horrible team. Oh, okay. Let's not get carried. They were terrible. They got embarrassed, sixteen to one, game three, and then last night they went out there and came up short. In a game where Stanton had a big at bat there in the ninth, then what had what he strike out? Yeah, yeah, oh, he struck out. Well, you know they think they think that. Uh, well, I, I'm going to backtrack here, not to get totally off topic on baseball here, but uh, Aaron Boone did a terrible job managing his pitchers these last two games, especially in Game Four, where you know it's it's do or die, it's win or go home, and uh, of course the Yankees are going home now. Uh, you know, after a disappointing loss, four to three last night, but they've got CC Sabathia out there who's struggling, and you know, Aaron Boone leaves him out there like he's Bob Feller. I mean, he's not Bob Feller. I mean, let's let's get him out of the game, go to the bullpen. I it it, it baffled me, baffled me. I don't know what game he was watching. Well, that'll wrap up the uh, baseball. That, that, that's that's all for the baseball. The rest of the season, I'm I'm, I'm in a state of mourning. Today. The the cross section of uh, K State Yankees fans will. Um... They'll, they'll appreciate that. I think that's good content for them. They'll appreciate that. It's a, it's a, it's a lot larger of a cross-section than you may realize. Right, exactly. Um, and uh, truthfully, I think, I think what we're both trying to do here is avoid talking about the inevitable, which is uh, K-State's lackluster performance down in Waco on Saturday. Yeah, definitely not, uh, definitely not the result that either of us were looking for or that uh, what we predicted as uh, K-State drops one to Baylor, 37-34. to uh, We'll touch a little bit here on the offense. Uh, this was the first game, in my uh, estimation, that the offense played pretty well in terms of running the ball. Alex Barnes had himself a career day uh, running for over 250 yards, but quite frankly, it just wasn't enough as Baylor was able to move the ball up and down the field on, on the K-State defense uh, during the second half and especially the fourth quarter, uh, a game that's Definitely was right there for the taking for K-State. Yeah, and I think that this is the first loss of the season where you look at the game and you say, well, K-State's offense played well enough to win this game. Um, but it was the defense that really let uh, everybody down. And I think, uh, you know, after after last week, I was confident to say that uh, to welcome the lynch mob back. But unfortunately, I think uh, they're – they're back to uh, MIA. MIA. They are. They they're on the uh, side of milk cartons right now. That's right. They're they're looking for them out there. But uh, yeah, it was a disappointing performance uh, with the defense. Uh, we'll get to them here in a little bit. But 
let's uh, let's first kind of focus here on the offense. Uh, like I had mentioned, Alex Barnes running over 250 yards, his best day on the season. I think a lot of that credit has to go to the offensive line. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he reeled off a couple, several really long runs, including that uh, 50-plus yarder he had. Um, and it was nice to welcome back the offensive line. Now, granted, uh, like we said last week, uh, Baylor's defense is not good. Um, that showed, too. And we expected K-State to have a successful day offensively, and they did. Um, but uh, it was it was nice to see Barnes come out and have a, a career day for, uh, for him, especially given the season he's had so far. Yeah, it was. It was very nice to see him. He's, he's really played pretty well uh, given what he's had to run in front of. Uh, you know, the offensive line has been struggling, uh, as we've made uh, plenty of note about uh, so far here that it was a, a lackluster performance for them up until this point, but they really did put some things together, at least uh, from a running game perspective there. I want to transition here now to uh, Skylar Thompson. Didn't play well. Two interceptions. Had a nice uh, long touchdown run uh, today that or on that uh, on Saturday that you know really caught my eye as a, as a great run there. However, some questionable decisions. Uh, a couple of interceptions they threw were into, were, were bad interceptions. One of which was into triple coverage. Essentially served as a punt, so not the not a you know a drive killer necessarily by any stretch, uh, but wasn't. You know, what wasn't as consistent as you would like to have seen in the passing game from Skylar Thompson. Yeah, and it's it's that's very got to be very frustrating for K State fans because all season the focus of the offense is fairly or unfairly been about who's taking snaps for K State. Is it Delton? Is it Thompson? And finally, K State fans get their wish. Thompson's handed the reins, and he goes out there against a not very good defense and throws two interceptions and nets only a fewer than 150 yards. And so uh, in that respect, it's, you know, again, six games into the season now, and we're st- our offense still has no identity. Um, and that's partly the quarterback's fault, whether it's Delton struggling or Thompson struggling on Saturday. But like we said, the offense – overall did what it needed to to win this game um but uh Thompson was the weak point on Saturday yeah not a, not a great game from him and you know it looks like Alex Dalton's going to be out for a while with with an injury uh so it will be Skylar Thompson's show he doesn't need to be looking over his his shoulder here I think it's it's clear to any K-State fan that he is better than Alex Dalton but he, he certainly hasn't acquitted himself necessarily of being you know much more than just an average quarterback. Yeah, and I think so far this season, average is putting it pretty charitably because uh, aside from the Texas-San Antonio game in which he, would, he threw, played great, yeah. um, he hasn't really had a performance otherwise that made you just say, wow, this is the guy, aside from uh, the second half of the Texas game where he came out and had a pretty good game in that uh, game too, but still only had 14 points in the second half. And yeah. so it's it's not like he came out there and lit up the scoreboard in sure. any meaningful way. But um, uh, So Thompson has to get better um, if K-State wants to 
have any hope of salvaging this season. Yeah, he's not Sonny Jurgensen like everyone says he is. Yeah, people need to stop making that comparison because if one thing is clear, it's that he is not Sonny Jurgensen. Yeah, I, I think that's I think that can, through you know through six games now I think that's pretty clear. So as we move into the uh, to the defensive side of the ball, rough rough would be you know a, a very mild way to say it. Uh, as Baylor scores thirty seven points, oh let me see here I'm looking here at it now seventeen in the fourth quarter, just a a very disappointing performance by the defense in a game that you know really was there for the taking. Uh, K-State was really buoyed by uh, Baylor's kicker missing. I think he was finished the day three for six uh, from field goal range. Couldn't hit the broadside of a barn. Uh, however, he boots in a, a late uh, kick that sealed the deal for Baylor. Uh, uh, I think it was a 29, 28-yard field goal. So essentially an extra point. Uh, but Well, in, if I can stop you, hitting the broadside of a barn if you're a kicker isn't always ideal because barns aren't all that tall. So theoretically, you could kick the ball over the barn and still miss the broadside. He he couldn't kick it in the ocean if he was on the beach. Well, now that yeah, that's yeah, maybe that's, that's a, a that's a bad that, that's that a would be a problem. But okay. broadsides of barns aren't very tall. Yeah. And well, so, okay. So you, you hey, might hit the roof. That's why I have you here. You know, to keep me honest. On I, my, uh, if there's one thing I know, my comparisons. If there's one thing I know, it's the dimensions of barns. Oh, is that so? That's right. Take for instance, Alex Barnes. He's what six one two thirty ish. Six one two twenty five. Hey, right on the money. Right I know there. my Barnes. That's right. That's right. Well, it was it was a bad display by the defense. I mean, to, to say it say it how it was, it was bad. Twenty one missed tackles, according to Pro Football Focus. You, you can't have that. In in your opinion, what what was the problem? What aside from the missed tackles, was it? Pass defense was it the inability to bottle up uh, Baylor's rushing attack? I'll put it as simple as just missing tackles in the open field. I mean, it really was. K State got good pressure um, all day on Charlie Brewer. Uh, you had counted for four sacks. Uh, Wyatt Hubert and Reggie Walker led the way uh, in getting practice and getting pressure on the quarterback. I eight tackles for loss. I mean, not like K State was living behind the line of scrimmage, but they did. They did more than enough uh, in terms of getting pressure on on the quarterback to to where you made it think that it was going to be a a good result. You know, you see those. You see, he was hurried throughout the day, really. Um, but it was it was brutal to watch. I mean, the play calling I thought was pretty bad as well. Uh, there was a stretch there uh, throughout the third and fourth quarter where Baylor is just running the same stuff. It's a play action fake. You know, right, and they're hitting a about a 10, 15 yard, um, you know, kind of deeper drag route. You know, throughout the uh, right. throughout the the kind of that soft spot between the second and third level of the defense. And I mean, they they were doing that in their sleep. They pick up 15 yards. Right, and I mean, it's it's never a good thing. I mean, all Barnes had 250 yards, but the Baylor rushing attack. I mean, outside of Charlie Brewer's uh, carries, which include sacks, they still ran for 251 yards, actually, on only uh, 36 carries. And so, you know, and then Brewer's throwing for nearly 300 yards through the air, and so you add that up, and that's you're sniffing 600 yards of offense, um, and that's 
that's not going to get it done against anybody, especially a, a, a team like Baylor. So um, very, 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 very disappointing from a side of the ball that I think K-State fans, and I know that you and I were pretty optimistic about uh, coming out of Texas. Yeah, uh, definitely definitely a bad showing for the defense. Uh, did want to, I, like I said, I wanted to highlight Wyatt Hubert and, and Reggie Walker. Both did, I thought, played pretty well. Uh, one note about Reggie Walker, he will be out for the first half of the Oklahoma State game due to his targeting penalty that he suffered uh, in the fourth quarter against Baylor. So if you don't see Reggie Walker out there in the first half, uh, that's why. Uh, he will not be playing. So uh, that that kind of wraps up the defensive side of the ball. Wrap up, I guess I shouldn't say wrap up because case they didn't do much of that on Saturday. Ha. But uh, anyway, we go on to the special teams. How'd that go? Not good. We miss we miss Blake Lynch there. I'll tell you that much. We need our neat little guy back. We we do. He uh, K State missed a field goal, missed an extra point. An extra point. That field goal, extra point, carry the seven. Yeah, that's four points. That's the difference in the game. Yeah, it could be. But also from the Baylor perspective, you know, they they left several points out there. They missed an extra point. They missed three field goals. So special teams for both sides were were really rough. Yeah, uh, and I think we got a little preview on Saturday into what was the fear, you know, aside from the wide receivers, uh, the special teams, particularly the kicking unit, was the real f- fear. I mean, that was the question mark coming into the season. Mm-hmm. And it sh- goes to show the the uh, progress and maturity of Blake Lynch. Um, yeah, it definitely early part of his K State career that this is what K State's special teams looks like without him. Yeah, and it was it was also not only just the kicking part. I thought Andrew Hicks did a nice job punting the ball. Uh, however, you know it was also the return game uh, on the second uh, as the second half gets underway. K State's getting the ball uh, already up at halftime. Uh, fumble the opening kickoff. Right. And that stuff, you know, especially when you when you rely on such thin margins in order to win a game already, but giving, uh, you know, getting that extra possession here, uh, as as Baylor missed a field goal right before halftime, K-State goes up at halftime 14-12, return the opening kickoff, fumble it, and you've got Baylor set up, you know, set up shop right inside your inside your red zone. It's something you just can't have. Yeah, teams that are bad, and I'm comfortable calling K-State a bad football team at this point, teams that are bad cannot afford those mistakes um, on special teams. You, you don't necessarily have to be uh, you know, a top unit in the country. You don't even have to be a top unit in the conference. You just cannot afford mistakes like that if you want a chance to win. Because like you said, K-State this season, if they're going to win, it's going to be by thin margins. Mm-hmm. And spotting the other team possessions, especially inside your own 20-yard line, that's completely unacceptable, and it's it's going gonna, it's gonna to cost you ballgames. Well, the special teams ha- hasn't been – I mean, I, the special teams has been fine when Blake Lynch is in there in terms of kicking the ball. But when you look at the kick return game – the kick return game has been bad, really, all season. Yeah, it ha- it's the been punt return. The punt return game has been good, uh, <laughs> I guess, when they absolutely had to have it against South Dakota. But other than that, it's been it's been you know pretty average at best as well. That's right. That's so, right. So I, it's been a unit this year that has uh, at least the return game that has been bad uh, in terms of success returning it. 
And uh, on Saturday, it cost us much more than that with a, with a turnover. Yep. Uh, special teams and defense really uh, shoulder most of the blame. It wasn't a good game by any of the three parts of, of K-State uh, on Saturday, and that's why they dropped their third in a row and uh, come up on the short end 37-34 to the Baylor Bears. Uh, that'll conclude the Baylor review portion of this week's short side option. We'll be back after this with the Oklahoma State preview on the short side option. All right, we are back here for the Oklahoma State preview portion of this week's short side option podcast. Uh, when we look at Oklahoma State, Drew, uh, what do you see? You know, frankly, uh, I see a, I see a team that's similar to Baylor in a lot of respects, uh, but much better in all of them. Um, on offense, it's another team K State will play this year that's that features uh, the run pass option heavily in its offense. Obviously, to talk about Oklahoma State's offense this year, mostly centers around Justice Hill. And uh, you can see why. He has uh, 628 yards this season on uh, exactly 100 carries. But he's a little feast or famine. He had a bad day against Iowa State uh, in their loss last week where he only had 66 yards on 24 carries. Uh, In their loss against Tech, he had uh, only 12 rushes total, uh, but a pretty efficient day where he went 111 yards. Uh, and then had a great day against KU, uh, where he ran for 189 yards on 31 carries. But the interesting thing about Oklahoma State is uh, they rank 103rd in the country in stuff rate. So uh, it's not uncommon to see Oklahoma State get uh, stuffed at the line of scrimmage or take a loss on a run. Um, In terms of the passing game, uh, Taylor Cornelius is their quarterback. He's a big, uh, good, efficient quarterback. He is uh, 6'6", 232 pounds, so mm-hmm. kind of a monster back there. Um, and then they have another, you know, it's Oklahoma State, so you can bet that they're going to have another uh, host of good wide receivers uh, led by sophomore Tylen Wallace. Uh, Any relation to Taco? You know, yeah, he, they're uh, they're cousins actually. Really? Yeah, Tyler and Taco. Yeah. Okay, I figured that would be the case. Yeah, they're they're cousins. Um, and uh, but Wallace is uh, Cornelius's favorite target. He has a uh, 628 yards receiving this season on 35 catches. Uh, and then, but you have to worry about Tyron Johnson too. Um, he has 370 yards in his own right. And then a couple other guys to keep an eye on this Saturday are uh, Dylan Stoner and Landon Wolf. So, offensively, um, you know it's Oklahoma State, so you could bet that they're a team that's going to move fast and put up points, and that's uh, that's what we'll uh, have to look forward to on Saturday. Yeah, you know I've watched a little bit of Oklahoma State this season. Uh, when I've looked at them on the film, I I'm impressed with Cornelius. They they ask him to run the ball a little bit more than maybe you would expect uh, an Oklahoma State quarterback to, to do. Yeah, out of an Oklahoma State team. Um, but then again, Oklahoma State hasn't really had a quarterback of his stature. Um, sure. So you can see why uh, Gundy looks at a guy like this and says, uh, I want to feature this guy 
Um, a little bit more in the run game. Yeah, and when you have a when you do RPO stuff, it, it makes a lot of sense. And so, Oklahoma State, it's for a team that's struggling on defense. It's not something you're uh, extremely excited about. Yeah, I wanted to kind of get into the defense here. Uh, given up 40 points in two of their last three games, uh, gave up 28 to KU, I believe. Uh, not a not a unit that's really performed very well so far this season. No, and it's. You know, Oklahoma State has a new defensive coordinator, Jim Knowles. He's a Duke guy. And during the twilight of his tenure at Duke, he he moved from kind of a bend-but-don't-break attitude into just uh, kind of throwing his hands up and saying, you know what, we're going to get aggressive. And his numbers really reflected that at, at Duke. And he's brought that same kind of attitude to Oklahoma State. Um so, like Baylor, again, the similarities, they're, they're going to be a pretty aggressive defense. Um, in terms of run defense, they're pretty good. Uh, they have a couple good linebackers, Justin Phillips and Calvin Bundage. Uh, but their pass defense uh, leaves a lot to be desired. They're uh, near the worst in the country in terms of opponent complete, completion percentage. Uh, they give yep. up. 65% uh, of their opponent's passes get caught. Uh, but, um, like I said, they're aggressive, so they have a pretty impressive sack rate, too. Uh, they have a sack rate at 10%, which is good enough for 10th in the country. And for a team like K-State that gives up a lot of sacks, uh, that's something to uh, that should concern you if you're a K-State fan. Yeah, it definitely does. Uh, Skylar Thompson uh, has not shown that he can handle blitzes very well. Uh, offensive line hasn't necessarily shown that they can pick up blitzes real well. So be interesting to see how K-State decides to protect. Uh, if we're going to see maybe a little bit more in the quick passing game, uh, see some screens, see some draws to combat that uh, aggressive defense. I think this is going to be a tough matchup for K-State because uh, what K-State does struggle with is protecting the passer in blitzing situations. And Quite frankly, the Wildcat receivers haven't shown enough reliability to get open and create separation downfield to make teams pay when they do. Uh, you know, bring six, seven guys. Uh, in, you know, in, in a in a blitz package. So, I think it's going to be a tough matchup for K State. In order for K State to win this game, uh, what's it going to take from the Wildcats? Well, unfortunately, I think it's going to take something that K State's not very good at, and I think that's that's big plays in the passing game. Um, because, like I said, Oklahoma State's run defense isn't very good. Um, now, if – or I'm sorry, Oklahoma State's run defense is good. That's their mm-hmm. strength. Uh, if K-State can be patient and show a willingness to, you know, death by a thousand cuts Oklahoma State down the field, then then they might have some leeway there. But I just don't get the feeling that K-State's, especially Thompson, has the maturity yet to really – be that patient. So uh, I do think that we're going to have to probably look at look downfield and stretch the field there. But the concern there is, like I said, the sack rate. Because you have a guy like Jordan uh, Branford, uh, defensive end for Oklahoma State, has eight sacks already this season. Wow. That's a lot. And he has 11 and a half uh, tackles for a loss. And so uh, the Oklahoma State defense is susceptible to giving up Tons of points. We saw it last week against Iowa State. But I don't know if K-State's offense is good enough to really take advantage uh, of even a bad defense to the point where they can outscore Oklahoma State. 
Well, I think with you know what I've seen of Oklahoma State, I think it's going to be imperative that K-State does what they can to throw the ball on first and second down, uh, you know, open it up to where it's not, you know, the predictable run the ball with Alex Barnes on first down, run it on second down, throw it on third down. You know, when we're staring third and seven, third and eight in the face. Um, it, it's going to be tough for our wide receivers to create separation. I know, uh, you know, our guy Jordy's had a couple drops this season in, in, in plays down the field that could be big. Uh, can't have any of that. You uh, know, if I could stop you right there, I'm, I'm starting to have doubts You're about it. You're walking back that? Yeah, I, I think he might be less Jordy Nelson and more Brandon Clark. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. Which, uh, which we'll have to keep an eye on, but but I'm starting to have some concerns that uh, maybe my Jordy comparison was off the mark. Well, do you th- I think also, too, if K-State's going to have a chance in this game, it's going to take a big game from Alex Barnes. Uh, Alex Barnes got off to a good, uh, you know, ran the ball well, really well last week, ran the ball really well last season against Oklahoma State. Uh, do you see Alex Barnes being able to have another big game, maybe not 250 yards worth like he did uh, last week against Baylor, but how do you see this game setting up for Alex Barnes? You know, I don't know. I just don't know what to make of – of of Barnes this year. I mean, it's against good run defenses. He's been, you know, pedestrian. Pedestrian, yeah. yeah. And then you look at you look at Oklahoma State's run defense, and like I said, it it's pretty good. I mean, Iowa State didn't have much success against uh, Oklahoma State on the ground, and that's an Iowa State team that features the run a lot. And so, um, it's an Iowa State team that also started a freshman quarterback. Uh, last against Oklahoma State, and they, he had some great success uh, through the air uh, last week against Oklahoma State. So I think it might that it might have to be K State's best chances is, is beat them through the air. I'm afraid it is, and, and I don't. It's it's concerning, but I guess I mean I don't know at this point. You know, K State has such a lack of identity on offense that when you're analyzing an opposing defense, I don't even really know what to look for. Like. Like, what is the strength of our offense? Sure. Because through five games, it seemed like, well, we're unfortunately going to have to rely on the passing game, but that's not very that's not very good. And then last week, it was the running attack was huge, uh, the best of the season by far. And so, yeah, I mean, it's that's the problem with a team that doesn't have an identity on offense is that I can't imagine what – K-State's game planning must be like because it's you're trying to look for the defense's weakness and exploit it with your strength but what is K-State's offensive strength right now sure sure yeah that's a question that you know we're halfway through the season we're still asking so that's a problem yeah that's definitely the the biggest problem on on the offensive side of the ball is a lack of identity as we kind of transition here to what K-State needs to do on defense uh, to slow down Oklahoma State Oklahoma State's going to be a unit that's going to put up some points uh, what what do you see in this matchup that gives you some thought that maybe K State can can neutralize uh, the Cowboys' offense? Well, you you look at what Texas Tech did, that what Oklahoma State did against Texas Tech, and like I said in that game, Justice Hill, he only ran for uh, he only had twelve carries the entire game. Now, granted, he averaged uh, you know over nine yards a carry, but he only had twelve. And so, 
getting out to a big lead. Yeah, get out to a big lead would get be nice. Get out to a big lead, yeah. But even Make so, up the run. Yeah, but even so, Iowa State completely bottled uphill. Uh, held them to uh, 66 yards on 24 carries. So it's not as if uh, Oklahoma State abandoned the run game there. Um, now, granted, Iowa State also gave up 42 points. So it's not like they had a yeah. huge success. Sure. But, uh, you know, you're tempted to just dare them to run the ball all day. I mean, because you you, you don't really want to give up the big play. And so if they're a balanced enough offense to where you can't really rely on taking away the run or the pass because they have talented guys who can do both and they're willing to do both. And they've got a quarterback that can do a little bit of both and he can definitely stretch the field on you. Right. And so it's it's kind of you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. But I would be tempted just to say, Ben, don't break in this game. Try to limit big plays and uh, you know see if, if they're patient enough to uh, to nip and tuck at you all the way down the field. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, K State's a little bit banged up in the secondary as they've been uh, throughout uh, throughout the season. Uh, Goolsby will be back uh, this week. Uh, he was back last week. Uh, should be available to play this week. Hopefully, that gives a little bit of relief. Uh, you know, Kendall Adams has kind of been on a little bit of a pitch count. It seemed like early in the game, he's ramping his activity up, and and he's been out there. Uh, you know, a little bit more than he was uh, previously. Uh, Eli Walker's a guy that sticks out to me, a guy that, that I've on a defense that hasn't had, you know, a ton of bright spots. Uh, he's been one that's kind of come out of, not out of nowhere, obviously uh, people were familiar with him, but a guy that's really probably been the MVP of the defense so far uh, this year. Uh, Duke Shelley had a nice interception in uh, against Baylor. and well, he said he was due. I did. I did say he was due. Uh, so he's going to be tested with uh, with some explosive athletes from Oklahoma State. Uh, that secondary is going to have to hold up if K-State's going to have a chance on Saturday. Uh, with that being said, what's the pick? Oklahoma State. Uh, I'm, I've, uh, I think Oklahoma State's, like I said, I think they're a better version of Baylor. And Baylor had a plenty of success against us. I mean, if, if we can tackle better, that would go a long way. But uh, I offensively, I don't see us being able to take advantage of uh, a defense that's vulnerable to giving up big plays. Um, I think Oklahoma State, by a fairly comfortable margin, I'll say uh, 42 to 21. 42-21. I'm going Oklahoma State by three scores here. Oklahoma State doubles up K-State, according to uh, D. Louie here. Uh, I will go ahead and say K-State makes this one a little bit closer. Uh, but I also am taking Oklahoma State. Uh, Oklahoma State comes into this game a six and a half point favorite uh, in Las Vegas, over under 62. I think uh, K State keeps it close and uh, keeps the game going in the fourth quarter. However, I think Oklahoma State just has a little too much firepower uh, on the offensive side of the ball. And I like Oklahoma State 38, K State 24. So does that uh, hit the, uh, that hits the over number, though? Uh, that hits it right on the on the on the hammer on the hammer on the nail there. Oh, the right okay. on sixty two. Right. So uh, I think that's a pretty well set line uh, for the over under. I do think Oklahoma State's got just a little too much firepower uh, for K State to keep up with, and I think it's going to be a tough tough matchup for K State. As I think, uh, unfortunately, are going to drop uh, their fourth consecutive game here as we head into the bye week. Uh, yeah. So definitely not where we 
had uh, imagined K-State being when we looked at the season uh, at the beginning of the season. Uh, definitely a frustrating start, but hey, we'll see if K-State comes out and uh, gives a little bit more energized uh, performance in front of the home crowd. Yeah, if, if you're not panicking about this K-State team yet, go ahead and start because uh, it's very it, it's a bad team. And that uh, KU game looms large here in a few weeks because... That, it's the only game we'll be favored in the rest of the season. And yeah. Probably so, and that's assuming yeah, it absolutely will and be. that's assuming KU uh, doesn't win a game between now and then. Yeah, that's true. I I still think K State would be favored. I bet they would be favored probably if you if you, the game was played tomorrow. Would say K State's ten to fourteen point favorite. I I don't know. I I wouldn't feel comfortable going more than a touchdown on any Power Five team. Well, at least not a Big Twelve team. Yeah, I'd say I'd say K State still be favored by two scores. However, uh, that will be the only team they will be favored against the rest of the season, yeah. barring barring anything uh, unforeseen, uh, in which you know, with what we've seen so far, uh, it doesn't give K State fans anywhere a whole lot of optimism. So uh, that'll wrap up the Oklahoma State preview uh, portion of the podcast. Uh, when we return here after the break, we will take a look at the Midnight Madness, Madness in Manhattan, uh, as the basketball season kickoff. Uh, event will take place at 8 o'clock on Friday night. Doors open at 7, and we'll be back to preview that after this. Kane is in the building. All right, welcome back to this week's edition of the Short Side Option, where we're getting into our Midnight Madness preview, which is this Friday at Bramlage Coliseum, the Octagon of Doom, as uh, Frank would say. Uh, the doors are at 7. The big show starts at 8 p.m. this Friday. Uh, it's going to feature a skill competition with co-ed teams, probably some kind of dribbling, passing, uh, skill showcase. And then a dunk contest, which will be uh, non-co-ed teams for that. That uh, The dunk contest will feature Sean Neal Williams, Austin Trice, and then the veterans Dean Wade and Cartier Jada. And it will also feature a scrimmage uh, for both the men's team and the women's team. Uh, but it should be a good night out, in, uh, out there in the octagon. Yeah, it should be a lot of fun. Uh, K-State fans haven't had a whole lot to cheer with uh, since uh, Bruce's Elite Eight run there, Bruce and the guys' Elite Eight run, it was a lot of fun. Uh, definitely uh, a, a bit of an unexpected run to some, of course. Not to me. I, I saw this coming the entire way. You've been so strong for Bruce throughout his entire tenure, um, and I admire you for that. Thank you. Um, Thank you. And I admire you for uh, converting me back from the dark side uh, yeah. last, uh, probably this last summer. Um, yeah. And we've been strong. We've been so strong for Bruce ever since then. Absolutely. Um, but uh, Icon, I want to ask you a few uh, rapid-fire quick hits and a little one-on-one version of Ask the Icon uh, about basketball, if that's okay with you. Bring it on. All right. Number one, who starts on this basketball team? Well, that's going to be an interesting thought. I think that the I think that Bruce will look at the starting lineup and juggle it a little bit, kind of throughout the non-conference uh, games. This is the deepest team K-State's had in some time here. With You've got guys coming off the bench that have had some serious experience uh, with Mike McGurl, who was you know a big part of K-State's run in the NCAA tournament. 
Uh, Austin Trice is going to be a guy that's going to come off the bench, is going to be a definite rebound and energy guy. Having seen some of his uh, having seen some of his you know highlights from practice that if you follow K State's uh, Twitter account and Instagram account where they they're posting some videos and pictures from practice and just from the feeling that I've uh, heard from around uh, the basketball program, this guy is going to be a highlight reel. He's gonna he's gonna be on Sports Center a couple times this season. I, I feel pretty comfortable saying that, and I'm gonna go ahead and install him as the odds-on favorite in Friday's dunk contest. Oh, really? Uh, absolutely. Uh, and another guy on the bench is the jeans man, Mr. Jeans. Yeah, uh, Levi, uh, Levi Strauss, uh, Stockard. I, I think that guy is going to have a nice season. Uh, you know, Coach Weber raves about his, his basketball IQ, his ability to pass out of, the, out of the low post as well as the high post in the short corner area. He's going to be a guy that's also, with a, with a full year, uh, you know, having played college basketball, this will be his second summer of off-season conditioning. I saw a couple pictures of you know all the guys where they've you know put on weight. Uh, you know uh, the bell cow, uh, McCall Mayween, Dean Wade, and Barry Brown all throwing up uh, 185 uh, on the bench press several times. Uh, it's going to be a strong unit. Uh, we've got. You know, I feel like this team has eight, nine, ten guys that can that can give them good minutes. But for my starting lineup, and I think this is the starting lineup you'll see. As once we kind of get our feet wet in conference play, this will be the go-to starting lineup. Is I think Cartier Jada will be at the point, Barry Brown at the two, uh, Xavier Sneed at the three, Dean Wade at the four, and uh, the Bell Cow man down the middle uh, there with uh, McCall Mayween at, at the five spot. So that's that's how I see the starting lineup uh, shaking out as we uh, as we get into conference play. But I, I expect in the uh, non-conference games you see a little bit of juggling here and there. So no Stokes uh, when it comes to uh, conference time. No, I th- I feel like Stokes is a great guy to bring off the bench, a guy that can shoot the ball pretty well. Uh, you know, guy that uh, I'm not saying he's going to be you know relegated to an insignificant role. I think he's going to have a huge role in this team. And you know, we saw last year once he went down, uh, Cartier Jada had a had a great freshman season, and I I expect uh, Jada to to continue to to build upon that. Uh, but I think Stokes is an extremely important member of this team. He's going to be a guy that – it, this is, like I said, the most up that K-State's had. Uh, you, having a guy that's that experienced coming off the bench, I really feel good about. Yeah, it's nice, nice luxury. Um, moving on, who's the most improved player on this year's team? Most improved player. That's a, that's a really there's – a, there's a lot of guys I expect to take a, a good leap forward on this team. I'm gonna go with Mike McGurl. I think he's the guy that sticks out to me as a as someone who's going to really uh, take that next step. Obviously, showed flashes during the uh, Creighton game. Yeah, he was, you know, not only doing it on the offensive side of the ball, bailing K State out with some with some late shot clock, uh, you know, three pointers. But he's a guy that is gonna be a plus defender for K State. Uh, I fully expect him uh, whenever Barry Brown. Uh, goes to uh, goes to the bench either with foul trouble or to, to get a breather. I expect him a guy, to be a guy that's going to that's going to guard their best guard, uh, the other team's best guard. So I think uh, Mike McGurl is going to be a guy that is is going to be heavily relied upon, and I expect him to become not only just a, a solid rotation piece, but to be 
you know, a really big part of what K-State does uh, this year. I think he's going to be a real X factor. All right, and uh, wrapping it up with our final question, uh, do we stay ranked throughout the entirety of the season? Yeah, I think we do. I think uh, I don't see K-State dropping, uh, you know, a ton of games in a row. I think they're going to be started. I think they're going to start out ranked somewhere in the uh, ten to fifteen range uh, in the in the preseason polls. And with the non-conference schedule, they do play a little bit more of a challenging non-conference schedule than they did last year, which uh, you know could uh, give them some early losses. But I, I expect K State to get out of, out of uh, non-conference play in, in pretty darn good shape. And I think this is going to be a team that's going to find itself in the top twenty-five all year and is going to be uh, right there at the end uh, when it comes to uh, challenging for a conference title. All right, wire-to-wire wire ranked. Uh, that'll be a fun, hopefully a fun season, and it'll definitely be a fun night on Friday in Manhattan. Again, the doors are at 7, and Madness in Manhattan starts at 8 p.m. We'll be back with our final segment here on the short side option after this break. Welcome back to the short side option, where we are getting into one of our favorite segments on the show, this week's Wildcat Legend. This week's Wildcat Legend uh, was a senior in 2005. Uh, he was a defensive lineman. He was from California. He is Derek Marceau. All right. Uh, all right, yeah. Derek Marceau had a great 2005 campaign. Uh, of course, that's the only season he played for K-State, um, or at least got any action uh, in any type of statistical way. Uh, but Derek had a great season, had 13 tackles that year, seven of which were solo tackles, um, and had uh, a sack as well that year. In uh, his best game that season, of course, uh, came against Texas A&M, against the Aggies, where he had... Two solo tackles, uh, two tackles for a loss, one of which was a sack for 10 yards. Um, so that 2005 A&M game, that was a classic. Um, I think A&M got the better of K-State that day. It was a barn burner. But uh, not for uh, a lack of legendary uh, defensive line play by Derek Marceau. Um, a couple other uh, notes regarding this Wildcat legend. Of course, he uh, currently lives in Spring Valley, California, where he owns a Valley Farm Market, and uh, does some amateur barbecuing out there. Oh, okay, very nice. Yeah, he was a geography major at K-State, too. And so, I wonder uh, if he had Jeff Smith. Uh, I think that's very possible. Um, but, uh, you know, now that I'm thinking about it, yeah, he did have Jeff Smith that year. Okay. Yeah, he did. Uh, Icon, any, any other notes on uh, Mr. Marso? Well, uh Dilo, I think you said it all, really. When you when you look back at his uh, his time at at, uh, at K State, uh, Derek Marshall was a was a great contributor for K State on on that 2005 defense. Uh, 2005 wasn't a great year for K State, but uh, you know it uh, it wasn't due at all to a lack of effort and lack of uh, you know getting after it by Derek Marshall. That's so right. I think Derek Marshall, uh, you know, was a great K State player and. You know, it's a guy that you know we're we're privileged to highlight here on this week's Wildcat Legend. That's right, and that's why Derek Marceau is this week's Wildcat Legend. 
We'll move on to our final segment of the show, uh, where uh, we will take questions from Twitter. Uh, you can submit questions uh, to us via at T-S-S-O underscore podcast, where we, on the show, will ask your questions to the icon in a segment we call Ask the Icon. Icon, our first question comes from Jeremy on Twitter at... I already know where this is going to go. It's a holiday. I already know. Jeremy asks, if the Yankees lined up on D Saturday, would they allow fewer points... Uh, than they did during the ALDS. I'm I'm not answering that. Okay, passing. Uh, we'll see if you, uh, Icon wants to answer this question posed by Joey Kenny at JK. You know, I'm just gonna back you up there. I don't need to take pot shots about you know from from the peanut gallery here about the Yankees' struggles. You know, it's like you said. I took this loss very personally. Of course, when you see you know your hated rival celebrate on your home field. It cuts. It cuts deep. Okay. So settle. I, I. I just. I just want to let that out there. Settle down. You're. So I'm, sit, I, I'm good now. I'm sit. Good. Sit back down. I'm we'll, good. Okay. I'm good. Uh, point taken. Uh, but moving on. Uh, Joey Kenny at J Kenny 1987 on Twitter asks, "Hey guys, first time commenter, long time listener. I just want to know if, in your opinion, K State has done enough from a facility improvement standpoint." to protect its Power 5 standing if there's another round of realignment? I'll take your answer off the air. Yeah, I think K-State definitely has. Uh, when you look at their football facilities, basketball facilities, now granted, what really drives college uh, you know, conference realignment is, is your football program. K-State has had a, you know, a pretty darn good football program now uh, you know, for the better part of you know, eight years since the last uh, bit of realignment in terms of when uh, teams had had left the conference with Nebraska, Colorado, uh, Texas A and M. So I think that um, Missouri, of course, you can't forget the those guys. But I think K State, from a facility uh, enhancement perspective, has done a, has done a really good job. Of course, we got more on the way. Uh, the product on the field, you know, hasn't been great, you know, but it's been far better than others. And when you look at where K State's standing at as a as a as a power five team, they're certainly, you know, well within that right. They're they're they have no worry about dropping out of the power five. No. So from a facility standpoint, you're comfortable. From a facility standpoint and also from an on the field perspective, I mean, sure, this season's not going well. The last couple of seasons have been, you know, mediocre, uh, really, but I mean, look at what Rutgers is doing. Yeah. I mean, look at there's a lot worse. K State is in the is definitely in the upper half of the Power Five, you know. At they're they're average at worst when you compare them to the other Power Five teams. No question in my book. All right, moving on to Steve Becker at S Becker eighty seven. He asks: Is Snyder more likely to retire after a good year or a bad year? That's a really good question. Uh, thank you, Steve, for that question. I would say that he is probably more likely to retire after a bad year. Now, granted, I don't think he's necessarily likely to retire ever. To be to be quite frank, I don't. He'll be our coach in twenty fifty. If he was alive, I I would not put it past him. Well, modern science. Modern who's science. You know who, who's who is to say? But I, you know, I think with a good season, when you go out and you win, 
you know, nine, ten games, eight, nine, ten games, whatever constitutes a good season to, to, to some. Why, if you've got that same team coming back uh, the next season, why wouldn't you want to come back? So I would say it's always more likely to uh, to you know walk away on a on a bad note than it is on a good note because on a good note you're saying okay why can't we do this again next year I want to be a part of it so I think uh, in terms of retiring I think he would be more likely to leave after a bad season which we might just be headed to hmm. interesting. Uh... Vinzy for KSU at KSU underscore funny 33. Uh, he asks, hypothetical, if it took KU beating us in football this year to rid ourselves of Snyder, would you be rooting for a loss? That's a loaded question right there. That's a tough question. Uh, man, I had not seen that question. I haven't seen any of these questions before, before we get on the show here. So I would go ahead and say no. And that's kind of a that's it's a tough answer probably K State fans don't like hearing that but I don't want to lose to KU in football and also I don't think obviously in his hypothetical I think they're he's hinting that they're mutually exclusive I'm guessing but if he would have added uh, K State loses to KU K State hires Brent Venables you know on Christmas Day that might make me change my answer but with with it just not being Snyder as our next head coach. I, I don't know. I, I don't know if I can do that. All right. Uh, S.L. Keck at S.L. Keck asks, what's Bruce Weber's favorite board game? Would he be able to contain himself during a game of cards against humanity? Yeah, Bruce is a man who has tremendous restraint. I think he'd have no problem uh, composing himself during a, in a, during a heated game of cards against humanity. I, I have no question that he has the demeanor and the temperament to, to do that. Uh, as for what his favorite board game is, uh, of course, I, I don't quite know the answer to that, but if I was to speculate, I would say sorry. Sorry. Hmm. Okay, and our final question comes from... It's hash- one of my favorite board games, anyway. I, I, I played that go- growing up all the time. Well, we play that a lot, just you and I, just uh, one-on-one yeah. when, games. When we're sitting around, yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah, it's a great game. Uh, and our last question comes from uh, a Twitter user, hashtag SnyderOut at E underscore S for KSU. Hashtag Snyder out asks, what activities would you recommend for the part of the fan base Saturday that will express their displeasure with the current state of the program by not showing up? Maybe a pumpkin patch? So, so what's this question here? This, this, this listener is asking, so there's fans who don't want to show up to the game, specifically to essentially vote for their feet. Vote with sure. their feet, not vote for their feet. Uh, what what activities would you have them? What should they do? Replace their eleven to one thirty time slot with? Hmm. Well, that's I don't really want to advocate not showing up because I, I I'm going to be there, so you guys should be too. Uh, but I um, nothing speaks louder than empty seats. And I'm not advocating by any stretch for people to not go to the game, but that's what should that what if if you were if you were a fan not going to the game if you were under this mindset what would you do? I mean I'm not gonna like I'm not making like signs to go to the game I'm not gonna cut out a bag and you know put it over my head no like, no no know. they're just this user is just looking for activities that he could do during the game. Oh he's 
looking for okay now i understand the question you have to cut sometimes you have to dumb it down for yeah i know that bit. so uh no yeah go to a pumpkin patch it's beautiful this time of year and yeah. now i will say it's gonna be a little bit rainy having uh seen uh the uh, having seen the forecast it could be a little bit damp uh this weekend but i would say yeah go to a pumpkin patch you know there's a good movie out that i really want to see uh it's called uh, you know it's with uh, bradley cooper uh lady gaga star is born yeah, I think it looks really good. I, I've wanted to see that for a while now. I've heard it's heartbreakingly sad, but oh, it's, really? you know what? What's what's sadder, watching that or watching K State's uh, defense try to make tackles against Justice Hill? Well, you know, I will say that uh, K State's going to have their work cut out for them. But you know, that looks like a really good movie. I do want to see that. Uh, but yeah, you should go to the game. Uh, it, it's it's always fun. It's homecoming this weekend. Uh, it will be be interesting to see. You know what the crowd is. You know, coming off three losses, uh, a growing dissension inside the K State fan base. Uh, I would expect a good crowd on Saturday with it being homecoming. I think a lot. You know, I know a lot of people are already planning on coming to town. Uh, have made prior plans, so I think it'll be well attended. And I hope that K State comes out with a win. It's going to be a tough task though against this Oklahoma State team. Yeah, I. I know this isn't an Ask the D. Lou segment. No, go ahead. You're but, always welcome. But You're this isn't specifically here. addressing the question, so I don't want to step on your toes. I, I think the I think attendance is going to be lousy on Saturday. Oh, you do? Yeah, the weather's going to suck, and it's it's a crummy football team. Uh, now, granted, I think it's going to make for great theater. I uh, This season, if for no other reason, it's not boring just because of all the, all the theatrics. Um, but... Uh, I, I think there's going to be a lot of empty seats against really? Oklahoma State. See, I'd be a little bit surprised with it being a homecoming game. You really think it's going to be that? Nobody cares about homecoming. Yeah, but you got people coming back to town. I'm not saying like you know, not people. People aren't going to just stick around and see who's you know homecoming queen and homecoming king like they do in high school and then leave at halftime. I don't think. Yeah, you're not going to see that. Yeah, I mean, I think homecoming's a big deal for like. The residence halls and well, like yeah, the but, Greek system. But you have people coming back from out of town. I'm not saying for that. I'm saying for like the people that are coming from out of town. This is the one game they come to a year. Yeah, yeah, maybe. I, I, yeah, well, we'll see. I, we'll see. I, I would be surprised. I mean, they'll announce. No, they'll announce forty-eight, forty-nine thousand at least. But we got the, we got the, the sellout streak going. As far as butts and seats go, I'm guessing hovering around forty. No, I will say, uh, if K State's down. 28, 21 points at halftime. You may not see many, many seats uh, filled in the second half. I could totally see that. But I think at the start of the game, and as long as it's a competitive game, I think you're going to have a good crowd. Now, granted, if the weather is just awful and it's a downpour like it was, you know, last year against TCU, yeah, you won't see. You probably will see a pretty diminished attendance. Well, we'll see. I, I, I bet that upper deck looks pretty sparse in those corners on uh, on Saturday, but. Well, it'll be interesting to see for sure. Uh, we'll be back next week. Uh, this will this will kind of wrap it up here for this week's edition of the Short Side Option. We're really excited about next week. K State will uh, is off next week. Uh, they they uh, enter their bye week, uh, but we are never on a bye week here at the Short Side Option, as we will bring uh, together something I've been really looking forward to uh, here for a while: a basketball season preview edition of the Short Side Option. Uh, the Short Side Option is going to be. Trade in the, the helmet and shoulder pads for uh, the uh, shooting sleeve and sneakers here for, uh, for next week's edition as we, we break down uh, K-State's uh, basketball season. Should be, uh, we'll, we'll kind of recap here a little bit of what happened at Midnight Madness, uh, Madness in Manhattan, and uh, we'll get you guys ready here for the uh, 
start of basketball season, which is only about a month away. I believe the uh, season tips a month from yesterday. So we are, we're, it'll be here before you know it as fast as time's flying by. Uh, but that'll do it for this week's edition of the Short Side Option Podcast. Uh, for Chris Sork and D. Lou, we're signing off. We'll see you next week on the Short Side Option. Oh,